that was good. Last time I remember, I nearly tipped all that stuff over. <laughs> hey, good morning. I'm so happy to be here this morning. You know what? I know it's against human nature to sit close together. But those of you who were here last time, remember, if you were on this side, you don't see very good. So you might want to migrate this way just a little bit if you can't see. Between the flowers and the screen, it kind of blocks your view. I am so happy this morning to bring to you the new picture that God's given me to draw. It just brings me joy to use my gifting to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. I take my passion for art that God's given me as a, as a uh, mission very seriously. It's my mission, it's my passion to bring to you the importance of knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want to remind everybody each time I draw of why we are Christians, what it means to be a Christian, what is Christianity, what's the root reason that we're Christians, and that's Jesus Christ. I hope each time that I draw that you get a visual of Jesus that you don't forget. Jesus told Philip when Philip asked him, where do we find God? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Those of you who saw my last picture might remember that verse. I hope that you'll see Jesus and remember him. And as the words speak, that you'll hear the word spoken and it resides in here and it stays in here forever. Jesus calls each one of us to love him, to see him, and to bring to this earth the evidence of his reality by the way we live our lives. I hope this morning that I'm going to light a fire in this church that never goes out and will spread like wildfire in this community. So let's get started. Let's light the match. See what happens. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. The Lord has made known his salvation. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand upon the Son of Man of your right hand, upon the Son of Man whom you made strong for yourself. You have a mighty arm. Strong is your hand and high is your right hand. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels. 
For you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. And of your only begotten son you said, This is my beloved son. Hear him. But Lord, who will believe our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before you as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He had no form or comeliness, and when we saw him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. We, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. was taken from prison and from judgment and who will declare his generation for he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people he was stricken and they made his grave with the wicked but with the rich at his death because he had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sins of many, and made intercession for the transgressors.
according to these words and many others, the angel proclaimed, saying, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Unto us a child was born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this and Jesus of Nazareth was the Christ of God fulfilling all things. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, slain from the foundation of the earth, worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for he was slain and has redeemed us to God by his blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. the faithful and true witness, granting to those who overcome to sit with him on his throne as he sat down with his father on his throne. The good shepherd giving his life for the sheep, he knows his sheep and is known by them, leading them beside still waters. cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit he is the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through him If you know him, you know the Father. He is in the Father, and the Father is in him. He is the image of the invisible God, 
the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Born from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. was in the beginning and was the word and the word was with God and the word was God all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it 
He is the Son of God and has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. He has the seven spirits of God and is holy and true. He has the key of David. He opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. He is the beginning of the creation of God. The bright and morning star. Now that which was from the beginning which we have heard. Which we have seen with our eyes. Which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and here we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And lo, the heavens were opened unto Him, and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon Him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This, this is my is beloved, beloved son, son, in whom I am well pleased. John chapter 18 says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden. And he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, he also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? And they answered and said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, I am. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with him. Now when he said to them, I am, he drew back, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I have told you, I am. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the sayings might be fulfilled, which he spoke. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. And Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword in its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Then the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. Scripture declares for us, from the foundation of the world, Jesus was crucified for us. From the foundation of the world, the Father and the Son, 
and the Spirit working together wrought for you and I redemption. And this is the redemption story. That the Son came and did everything the Father gave for Him to do by the power of the Holy Spirit moving in Him. And when He finished what He came to do, He lays out for you and I these things which you've seen me do and greater you can do if we'll follow the way that he laid out for us. For Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You want to know the way to walk, the thing to do, the the way to, to submit and commit yourself wholly and totally to the Father. We keep the main thing the main thing. What's that? Jesus. We follow him. We seek him with with all that we have, with all that we are, with our entire being, that it's not about us. It's about Him. That night when they came to arrest Him, Jesus' thoughts were on His disciples. In fact, Jesus said, just take me, let these go. Even after Peter cut off Malchus' ear, he would reach down his last miracle and put the ear back on Malchus a man who had come to arrest him, to bind him, and to beat him. Jesus always reaching out with that heart of love. Why? Because he always does the things that please the Father. And the Bible tells in 1 John 4 that God is love. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. So Jesus loved. The Bible said he loved us so much that he willingly went to the cross. Do you really think those soldiers could take him? Do you really think they could lead him anywhere he was not willing to go? No, he went willingly. They bound him. It was illegal to bind a prisoner prior to him being condemned. Yet, did Jesus resist? He was bound. They would beat him. They would beat the one whose very hand holds together the molecules that completes their body. Yeah, he didn't let go. With the word, Jesus said to Peter... I could call 10,000 angels. How's the song go? To destroy the world and set me free? He could call 10,000 angels. One angel in the Old Testament killed 185,000 men by himself. What's 10,000 angels capable of? And who got the job of holding Michael back? That archangel, the watcher over the nation of Israel. Who, who stopped him from coming to the aid of the Messiah? How many angels held on to him when they came and arrested him that day? The Bible says, as we continue, they led him away to Annas first. They took him to Annas. Did a little research on Annas and I wanted to share it with you. In the year of 7 AD, the procurator Copinius appointed his friend Annas, the son of Seth, an Alexandrian Sadducee, as a high priest at Jerusalem, the highest appointed office in Jewry. The high priest family of Annas held full sway, and only a few brief interruptions for the following 51 years. All six of his sons followed their father as high priest during the long period of time. And it was his son-in-law, Caiaphas, who through the dominant influence of this same Annas, held the office during the time when Jesus was tried before the Sanhedrin in A.D. 30. Although Annas was a feeble man in his late 80s, he possessed great wealth and political power in Jerusalem. He was a political boss, and his every thought, word, and deed conveyed the height of his extreme egotism. It was generally admitted that old Annas had the most superb intelligence among the ruling elements of all Judea. 
And he seemed unacquainted with fear or remorse of conscience. His tyrannical and unholy philosophy was that of rule or ruin. He was quite generous in providing numerous luxuries for his son-in-law and was never timid about reminding Caiaphas of the lasting and unpaid debt of gratitude he was owed. Therefore, it's not unusual for Caiaphas to unfailingly do the bidding of his father-in-law regardless of ethics, law, morals, or any consequence. Annas could not be called a religious man. Being a devout Sadducee, he openly subscribed to the creed that there is no life after death, no spiritual world. He taught that future rewards and punishments were absurd and that everything ended at the grave. Annas regarded everything Jesus taught as nothing more than abstractions of a discredited false prophet. He had no patience with nor with or nor respect for the new religious theories of the master. He had a deep motive as he thought for conspiring with Caiaphas and money-mad Judas Iscariot to speedily get rid of the lowly Nazarene. Regardless of the means to that end, murder was commonplace with this corrupt individual, and he entertained no scruples about engaging in evil enterprises if he could accomplish what he desired. It is noteworthy that those who sold doves and lambs in the temple to be burned at the altars of sacrifice were the hirelings of Annas. His bankers also profited by the usurious exchange of Roman currency into the coinage of the temple. They were there to enrich the already fat purse of their employer. And Annas saw no wrong with nothing more than a covenant meeting place where crowds gathered for their religious practices and where unfair exchanges would be made for his personal profit. What a sight. Droves of poor Jews trudging daily into the temple to offer their sacrifice, having, a, having to purchase lambs and doves and exchange their coins with Annas agents, since he had a monopoly on that sort of business. Annas, like countless thousands in Judea, heard of the miracles of Jesus, especially his raising Lazarus from the grave. That greatly irritated the old man. He now looked ridiculous before his followers because of all his preaching and teaching that life after death was nonsense. There was no denying that this event occurred since it was witnessed by hundreds of reputable Jews who, who quickly spread the news throughout the land. In his declining years... Annas was forced to admit that his conclusions about the resurrection had been repudiated by this humble man of Galilee. With his prestige on the wane, something had to be done and quickly to dispose of the troublemaker whose miracles and teachings were the source of deep-rooted embarrassment. To increase the consuming fire of enmity, word reached Annas that Jesus had bodily forced his money changers and dove and lamb sellers out of the temple and into the busy streets, dodging the sturdy lashes of a whip made by the strong arm of Jesus. Annas was outraged, humiliated, and determined to get even. The cleansing of the temple was considered a direct challenge to the authority of Annas and his Sadducees. They determined to retaliate. It was shortly after this episode that Annas, Caiaphas, entered into the sordid and unholy conspiracy with Judas Iscariot to betray the master. John tells us where Jesus was first taken after his unlawful arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the band and the captain of the officers and the Jews took Jesus and bound him and led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was a high priest that same year. Taking Jesus to Annas first was no coincidence. It had been planned that way. Having knowledge of the arrest, Jesus was all Annas needed. He could then secretly arrange with Caiaphas, a high priest, to quickly call a nighttime meeting of the Sanhedrin, create a quorum of only 23 carefully chosen members, and begin the trial of Christ, and terminate his ministry by condemning him to death while his friends were still asleep. And this is exactly what they did. Annas, devoid of principle and with a heart black to the core, willingly connived with Judas and Caiaphas for the cold-blooded murder of the Son of God. That's written by a, a lawyer who looked at the trial of Jesus, did careful research of all the things that Annas had done, 
and put together all the laws that were broken in order to put the Christ to death. And it's important that we recognize it was Annas. Those were his men that Jesus drove out of the temple. It was Annas that was the power behind the throne. A high priest was high priest for life. But while Rome ruled, Annas could pick who he wanted. He served his sons, his son-in-law. No concern or belief in the word. No desire to, to receive the scriptures. Even their scriptures. They didn't believe what was written. And they had to snuff out the life of the one who could raise men from the dead. So that they could quiet and maintain their control. And so, it was this man, this Annas, that he went to first. Caiaphas, his son-in-law, who had been the high priest that year. Now, this is a Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it's expedient for one man to die for all the people. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now, that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter... He stood at the door outside, and the other disciple, who, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Who's that disciple? It's John. In fact, if you go to Israel today in Jerusalem, you can see a site known as Zebedee's Fish Market. Zebedee was the family of John and, and James, the sons of thunder. Their father, his name, was Zebedee. And he was one of only a handful of men who imported fish from the region of Galilee all the way to Jerusalem. The only way to do it was to have those fish salted. It was expensive. And they opened up a market in Jerusalem for these expensive fish. And who was able to buy? Annas. So he would go to his father's fish market. And there he knew of, was acquainted with the sons. So John's able to gain entrance, and he gets Peter inside as well. In verse 17, And the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? There's Peter. The guy just took a sword out, just chopped off, tried to cleave a dude's head. Big, burly Peter. But he's shook now. Everything that he thought is all unraveling. And at the voice of a little servant girl, he denies his Lord the first time. You see how the devil does it? She asks a question in the negative. You're not one of his disciples, are you? So easy to say, oh no, I'm not. And Peter denies Now the servants and the officers who had made a fire of coal stood there for it's cold and they warmed themselves and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. And then the high priest asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Now the first thing they were to do was to introduce the witnesses. They don't introduce any witnesses. Well, they probably couldn't find any, right? Because the blind man who stood on the southern steps of the temple, they cast him out. And the lepers that Jesus healed, and Lazarus, the guy he raised from the dead, he's probably hard to get a hold of now. The countless souls and lives that Jesus touched, the countless times they would place a man before Jesus to trap him and have Jesus heal them, even on the Sabbath. They couldn't produce anybody who would come up with the truth about what Jesus had done. So you will see no witness for the defense. None. Just an accusation and seven declarations of innocence. And yet, he will go to the cross. Jesus answered and said, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet, and in secret I've said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard me. What I said to them, indeed, they know what I said. Jesus is saying, just bring out the witnesses. Bring out those I've touched. Bring out those I've healed. Bring them out that they may share with you the truth. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus 
with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? I thought he gave the high priest to Caiaphas. But you see, Annas was still the power behind the throne. It was unlawful for a prisoner to be struck, especially one to be struck for asking for witnesses on his own behalf. Where are those witnesses? Because he was asking for that truth, he was struck. Remember, only 23 Sanhedrin are there out of 70. Only 23. That means he only needed 13 votes to crucify. That's it. To send our Savior to the cross. The cross through which he's able to save us. Jesus answered and said, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if I have spoken well, why do you strike me? Jesus is calm. Don't you hear it in his voice? Even while he's being struck by the very people that he is dying to save. Man, he's, he still is filled with love. What's he going to say while they're placing him on the cross? Won't he cry out, Father, forgive them? For they know not what they do. Why? Because God is love and he always does the things that his father calls him to do. He is always filled with that love and desire that men would turn. And Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. That ends his time with Annas. Now, Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore, they said to him, you're not also one of his disciples, are you? Again, he's asked in a negative, you're not one of his disciples, are you? And Simon Peter answers, oh, no, I'm not. Not me. And then one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, didn't I see you in the garden with him? Now, he's going to be a hard guy to miss. He was the one holding the sword, standing in front of the guy who was bleeding, who Jesus healed. But Peter, for the third time, Peter then denied again, and immediately rooster crowed. Gospel of Luke gives us a little more insight. In fact, in the Gospel of Luke, verse, or chapter 22, beginning at verse 55, it says, Now, when they kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them, and a servant girl, we saw her, seeing him sat by the father, fire, said, This man also was with him. But he denied, saying, Woman, I don't know him. And, and after a little while, another saw him and said, You are of, of them? But Peter said, Nah, man, I'm not. Then after about an hour passed, another confidently affirmed, Surely this fellow was with him, for he's a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. And immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. Wonder what that was like. That moment. Peter denying for the third time, rooster crows, he turns, and there's Jesus looking at him. Now the Bible tells us while all this was going on, Jesus was being beaten. He's being beaten while they're taking him from Annas to Caiaphas. And on that journey passing through, it says, Jesus looked at Peter. And in the Greek, that word looked means to look at with love. He loved him. He looked at Peter with love in his eyes. Peter. Peter, who was so full of pride, right? Peter, who would never deny. Peter, who would never, was always willing. What did he say? I will die with you. He was willing to die, but he didn't know how to live for him. Folks, we all got to come to that same place too. Jesus not interested as much in how we're willing to die for him, of our own might, of our own power, by our own might of arm. He wants to know, are you willing to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service? Are you willing to live for him? Luke says, Peter ran out and wept bitterly, the weeping of a broken heart, as his heart broke for his Savior, whom he had put all his trust in, and now he had let down in that final moment. 
And I'm sure Peter thought, I'm never going to get that chance again. Do you ever feel that way? Have you ever felt like that was my one chance right there to really be a witness for the Lord? That was my one opportunity. And I messed up and I blew it and I, 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 I denied Him or by my actions I caused others to, to not consider the word that I was trying to lay out for Him. But folks, there's no such thing as that was my last chance. There's always a next There's always a next chance, a next time, a next opportunity to allow the Spirit of God to equip you and I to be the witnesses God's calling us to be. In Peter's defense, he didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. He's trying to do it on his own, and he failed. You and I, we try to do it on our own. Are we going to make it? We're going to fail. We're going to fall flat. But if we, like He who came before us, like Jesus Christ, following His example, submit ourselves totally to the Father. Commit ourselves completely to Him and work in the power of the Spirit. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Then there's nothing we can't do. There's nothing that we can't accomplish. That rooster crowed, and Peter wept. And they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium. And it was early morning, but they themselves didn't go into the praetorium lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Do you hear that? The guys who rigged Jesus' trial did a trial at night. They broke 18 specific laws themselves to try Jesus. But they won't go into the praetorium so they won't be defiled so they can eat Passover. They don't want to be unclean. Murdering somebody doesn't make you unclean, apparently. What did Jesus say to them? You hypocrites, you strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. That's what they did. That's what self-righteousness will always do. Strain out a gnat. Worried about all these little things, but this big deal, well, I can't go into Pilate's house because that'll defile me from Passover. Binding, beating, and crucifying, that doesn't defile me. Straining out a gnat, they swallow a camel. And Pilate said to them, What accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. They're just trying to get Pilate to do it. Just kill him. Just trust us. He's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. If he wasn't bad, we wouldn't have brought him to you. And Pilate said, you take him and judge him. First time Pilate tries to get Jesus out of his hands, out of his hair. He's going to do it six times. He's going to try to give Jesus to someone else. He's going to try to set him free. He's going to try to set him loose. But Jesus is going to the cross, right? No one could have stopped it. Jesus was going to the cross so that you and I could stand righteous before God. Pilate said, you judge them according to their law. And the Jews said to him, it is unlawful for us to put anyone to death. That the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. John 3, 14, Jesus said, when the Son of Man is lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. And then John said he was speaking of the way in which he would die. How did the Jews kill Capital punishment by stoning. But what did the scriptures say? 800 years prior, the psalmist had written in Psalm 22 that Jesus would be pierced. That he would be crucified. Crucifixion was invented by the Assyrians, taken on by the Grecians, perfected by the Romans. Prior to to the writing of Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22, there was no ideal of crucifixion at that time yet they wrote according to the scriptures that jesus would be crucified so pilate entered the praetorium again called jesus and said to him are you the king of the jews and jesus answered are you speaking for yourself about this or did others tell you this concerning me he's saying do you really want to know you ever have somebody ask you a question but they don't really want the answer i mean that's what jesus is saying do you really want to know 
You know, you have those folks who come to you and say, can God make a rock so big that he can't pick it up? Well, do you really want the answer? Or are you just messing with my noodle? Because i got enough things rattling around in my head without wasting time. But if we're really interested in an answer, we can do that. But you see, that's what Jesus is saying to him. Hey, do you really want to know? Or are you just saying this because they're saying it? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered and said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would, what? Fight. This place is not his kingdom. And Jesus said, I send you out as sheep among wolves. You ever seen a sheep in a nasty fight? It's not usually a big brawl with the sheep. Oh, look at those two sheep going at it. What exactly will a sheep do to you? I can eat more grass than you can. Oh, look, here comes a dog. Let's lay down and let him eat us. Isn't that how they are? And yet the Lord uses that to describe us. I send him out as... Sheep among wolves. By the power of the Spirit, we overcome. Not by our own ability. What can a sheep do? Nothing. What can God do? Everything. Everything. And so he says, this, this kingdom, this, my kingdom's not of this place. Otherwise, they would fight. If he called them angels, it'd be done. There'd been no salvation, no redemption. We'd all be lost. But he wasn't going to do that. He was going to be examined, declared innocent, and crucified. That made him the perfect Lamb of God. If he had been declared guilty of some sin, that wouldn't work. That's just another one of us dying. But he was perfect. And so Jesus said, this is not my kingdom. I should, uh, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Not now. But one day, Revelation chapter 19, Jesus returns with us. Revelation chapter 19, he comes back, sets up his kingdom. We look so forward to that day. The day of the restoration of all things. Everything lost, everything broken, everything misunderstood. The restoration of all things when Jesus Christ comes back everything wrong made right what a glorious day well the scripture goes on Pilate therefore said to him are you a king then and Jesus said it is as you say you say rightly I am a king for this cause I was born and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth everyone who is of the truth hears my voice and Pilate said to him get est Veritas, and he walked away. Pilate, stand there with the truth, asked the question, what is truth? And walked away. He didn't want an answer. He just wanted a way out. Give me a way out. I need a way out of this situation. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews, and he said to them, I find no fault in him at all. By the way, usually when someone's declared innocent, they let him go. But that's not going to happen. Jesus is going to the cross. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? His third attempt to set Jesus loose. And they all cried again, and they said, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. Tradition says his name was Yeshua Barabbas, Jesus, son of the Father. Do you want me to release to you Jesus, son of the Father, or Jesus, the Mashiach Nagid, the Messiah, the King? And they said, Barabbas. 
And Barabbas will be the first human being on the planet to realize what it is like to have someone die for you. For Jesus is going to go to Golgotha with His cross. Folks, Jesus went to Golgotha with my cross. He went to Golgotha with your cross. He died for us. Barabbas was a robber. That means he stole things from people through violence. And they set him free. Why? Because, folks, Jesus came to set us free. To set us free from all the garbage in our past. All the failures we've ever had. All the things that have ever come into our life and we've said, oh, I I blew it. I messed up for Peter, for Judas, for everyone. He went to the cross to set free each and every man, woman, and child from the bondage of sin. No one was going to stop him from going to the cross that day. No one wanted to stop him. He would go. Barabbas maybe would stand in the crowd and watch and wonder at this man who had just died for him. Simon the Cyrene would stand and wonder. His two boys with him. This man who died for me. John the Apostle would stand next to Jesus' mother and wonder about this man who dies for me. Folks declared righteous, his righteousness accepted by God in the resurrection of the dead. We can see, we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Today, Jesus wants to set us free. Today, here with us, Barabbas is here. He's probably sitting next to you. He might even be you. But Jesus Christ died in your place that you might be the righteousness of God. Isn't that incredible? He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. I love so much that Jesus has done that for us. And I love so much as Beverly shared with this beautiful chalk art, the, the, the Father's hand, the Spirit's power and the obedient Son. The Trinity, the three in one, working together, what? The redemption of mankind. They set us free. Jesus said, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we do thank you so much. We thank you for this wonderful work of redemption which you wrought, by which you have set us free. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you went to the cross a willing participant, for you gave your life. No man took it from you. You gave yourself to those who cursed and spit and and plucked out your beard. You gave yourself to them so that you could set us free. My name is Jackie, and I am Barabbas. You died in my stead that I might understand what it is finally Not to struggle to be good enough. Not to try to do all the things that that are right. But to realize in Christ Jesus, I am a just man made perfect. Nothing I did. Everything you did. This morning we have an opportunity. Perhaps there is somebody here. Doesn't know Jesus as their personal Savior. Doesn't realize or didn't realize the incredible gift of love with which he loved us and the truth by which he desires to set us free. If you're here this morning and you're touched, you have an opportunity 
Give yourself wholly and completely unto him. And he'll set you free. If you are here this morning and you want the free gift of salvation, we invite you in this place. Raise up your hand. Our Father in heaven sees all things. If you want Jesus Christ to redeem you and set you free, if you don't know him as your personal Savior, we invite you. Don't let another moment pass. Another day. For he died for you to set you free.